Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today is Wednesday, December 30th, 2020. Roller Martin Unfiltered broadcasting live from Savannah, Georgia here at Belfast Restaurant in downtown Savannah. Folks, uh, we were here today for a Get Out the Vote rally. We'll show you some of that. I was a keynote speaker there. Uh, we also did a crawl around the town uh, visiting various folks, talking about uh, the importance of voting. We'll also show you some of that as well. They have broken the record for early vo- excuse me, for a uh, voting in a runoff election in Georgia. We'll give you those details. Also, today in New York City, Keon Harrell, Ben Crump, Irvin Al Sharpton held a news conference where they brought more attention uh, to the white woman who accosted Keon Harrell and his son, alleging he stole the iPhone. She was lying. They are pressing the district attorney there to file charges against her. Also on today's show, two of the officers involved in the shooting death of Breonna Taylor, uh, they have been fired by the Louisville Police Department. Uh, also, the latest on the coronavirus vaccine, where a Republican congressman elect out of Louisiana has died due to COVID. Also, remember Dr. Drew Pinsky uh, did all those videos 
doubting COVID? Guess who's now COVID positive? Dr. Drew Pinsky. Uh, also, folks, uh, on the show, uh, Joe Clark, the famous attorney, excuse me, the famous uh, principal out of New Jersey. Remember the movie Lean on Me? He has passed away. In addition to him, we also remember Ted Delaney, uh, who led the charge uh, to change Washington and Lee University. And he also led the effort to wanting them to drop the name of Robert E. Lee from the university's name. The board will consider that next month. Folks, we've got a jam-packed show broadcasting live from Savannah, Georgia. Roland Martin Unfiltered. It's time to bring the funk. Let's go. Folks, uh, broadcasting live from Belfort's in downtown Savannah. It is six days until Election Day here in Georgia. Tomorrow is the last day of early voting. There is a huge push all across this state to get black folks to turn out uh, to vote early in this election. Pastor Raphael Warnock the other day when I talked to him said they want to bank as many votes as possible during the early voting period. They just have until tomorrow 5 p.m. where the vote polls will close on New Year's Eve. Uh, in addition, today uh, they announced that Vice President-elect Kamala Harris is going to be in Savannah on Sunday, the hometown of Pastor Raphael Warnock for a massive campaign rally for John Ossoff as well as Raphael Warnock. On Monday, President-elect Joe Biden will be in Atlanta for his rally for them. Uh, Democrats are using big guns to make the closing argument for John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock to beat incumbent Republican Senators Kelly Leffler and David Perdue. This is a very tight race. Little polling has been done, and so you really don't have the typical polls explaining to you what is going on. But to understand how significant this already is, Georgia has broken its record uh, for voting uh, in the uh, in, in this election. Talk about uh, significant numbers, folks. Uh, how many people have been t- uh, turning out uh, in a big way uh, in this election? And so 2,337,483 Georgians have already voted uh, in this election. The previous record was 2.1 million, which was set in 2008. I want to bring in my panel right now, Robert Patillo, Executive Director of the Rainbow Push Coalition Peach Tree Street Project out of Atlanta, Dr. Greg Carr, Chair of the Department of Afro-American Studies at Howard University, Reese Colbert, Black Women in Views. Normally we have our, this is the last show of the year for us. Normally we have our Thursday panel. We have a show on Wednesday. Uh, Erica Savage-Wilson, who normally is with us, uh, she is uh, in Albany. She said the death in her family. That's why Erica is not with us today. Mm-hmm. So certainly condolences go out to Erica. 
Rebecca uh, and her family. I was in Albany yesterday, of course, uh, for uh, a Get Out the Vote rally, and also we spent some time doing our show there as well. Robert, I'll start with you. Uh, you're there in Atlanta. Give us a sense uh, of what, what you're seeing and hearing. I was reading a tweet from, uh, from Eric Erickson. He said he absolutely believes that Republicans are sitting very well. He thinks Republicans are going to win both of these seats, yet there is significant energy out here in these streets. We have been to Albany and here in Savannah. Uh, we have been in numerous other places, uh, and Democrats are feeling very positive about the ground game that they are seeing, especially all of these people who did not vote in the November 3rd election, 76,000 registered to vote in the runoff. Well, you know, Ron, one of the important things to remember is that in a normal general election in Georgia, you only get about 10% in a runoff. So 5 million people vote, you have about 500,000 people who will show up for a runoff election. Uh, we have blasted past that number, and we're close to 40, we'll probably hit 50% at least of what the general election uh, numbers were, which is always better for Democrats. Uh, taking also into consideration that you have 2 million people already who have voted early, that also sways disproportionately towards the Democratic Party. And then we have the continuous issues of Donald Trump, while we are having this conversation, is still tweeting about the governor of Georgia, mm -hmm. still tweeting about the Georgia Secretary of State. He will be here on Monday right. uh, for a rally. And so the question is going to be, will he use that time to rally Republicans to vote for Loeffler and Purdue, or will he be talking about January the 6th, the crazy conspiracy theory they got going on there, and promoting himself instead and depressing Republican turnout on Tuesday, because Republicans depend almost exclusively on the day of election voting. Uh, uh, Reese, that's going to be a huge deal, having dual rallies, Donald Trump in Georgia on Monday, Joe Biden in Georgia on Monday. Yeah, but I don't think you can underestimate the power of Donald Trump to rally his base. I mean, Republicans are higher propensity voters anyway. And so I don't think that we can rest our laurels on the fact that there is such high turnout because we don't know how those votes break out. I just go back to the Texas early voting numbers, which were through the roof, particularly in Democratic-leaning counties, and the Democrats got annihilated in Texas. It was closer than it had been in the past, but it was not close. And so I think that we need to continue to keep our... I own the ball. Um, I, I applaud the work that they're doing. I know Black, Black Voters Matter is getting a lot of attention for the millions of doors that they've knocked on. There's a lot of local organizing that's happening. Right. And, you know, it, all eyes are on Georgia, but we cannot just assume that, you know, Republicans aren't going to turn out because they always turn out. And we can't assume that Donald Trump, regardless of his conspiracy theories about losing the presidential election, uh, is going to be a demoralizing factor when it because Donald Trump was very hopeful to the down-ballot races in, in uh, the general election. A little bit more hopeful than even uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were in those Republican-leaning areas. Well, first of all, you're absolutely right, Greg Carr. Uh, first of all, no one is assuming anything. Clearly, Republicans are putting significant money into this state. Uh, Mitch McConnell, his PAC, has dropped $60 million. They know how critical this is. They desperately want to hold on to the Senate because they know that if Democrats have a 50-50 tie, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, she breaks the tie, so they want, they want to hold to these seats. And so, again, uh, the part of the issue here is folks are so, sort of flying blind. The, really, the only thing that you have is you had very little polling taking place. Uh, my understanding is that Warnock is performing 
better uh, than Osof. Uh, but the bottom line is the Warnock and Osof campaigns don't care about any of that stuff. Their whole deal is ignore any data, ignore any polling, drive the numbers. And so they really want to drive this last day of early voting, which is tomorrow. But here's the other piece. Typically, in most places, only 35% or so of black people vote early. Uh, and so it's a little hard to measure those numbers. Who turns out on Tuesday, June, January 5th, that will determine this election. That's exactly right, Roland. And I want to take this moment not only to, uh, to emphasize this, but to thank you for the work you're doing. There's no other mass media, no media news outlet is doing what you're doing, literally on the ground, everywhere in Georgia, doing this in real time. So I wanted to say that, number one. Uh, there are a couple of moving parts in this. Uh, Reese is absolutely right. She nailed it. I mean, you know, the white nationalists are very quiet with theirs, but believe me, we know that they have gone to the polls. Uh, we also know that Trump's uh, white nationalist rally in Dalton, Georgia on the 4th uh, will probably appeal to their deep sense of white nationalism. In other words, we're not dealing with logic, but, and hopefully he'll leave it all on the floor and confuse them. But the real key to this, I think, is how much the Democrats want to win this race. And that's going to be on Chuck Schumer. Why? Because right now in the Senate, they're voting on the National Defense Authorization Act. They're voting to begin to debate on the veto override. Now, Bernie Sanders is already committed, as has Ed Markey and uh, Sherrod Brown out of Ohio, to filibuster that bill unless this white nationalist chief, McConnell, delinks a $2,000 check from these other two uh, red herring issues he's trying to put in for a poison pill. They've got to vote to close debate for cloture. If the Democrats are serious, they will muster the 40 votes to block any closure, keep a filibuster going, force those two liars in uh, in Georgia, Leffler and Purdue, to vote either for or against that $2,000 and strip them of the cover that McConnell, who is pumping all this money into Georgia, has given them to go out there and lie to these silly white people by saying, oh, we're for the $2,000. It's a bold-faced lie. The question now is going to be whether the Democrats have the guts to back Sanders, who is being supported, again, by Brown and by Markey, push a filibuster, keep that Senate in Washington, D.C. through the weekend and force these people in Georgia to, in other words, that, that could dampen the white vote enough to, combine with everything else, put those two Senate seats over the top. Well, and, and those particular points there, I mean, again, uh, here's the deal, and this is very clear, uh, Robert. Um, we've spent significant time here. We've been in Metro Atlanta, Warner Robins, Columbus, two or three times, Albany, Savannah, Athens, Macon, Georgia. We've been all over Gwinnett County, Fulton County, DeKalb County, you name it. And here's the deal. This is not about who can you persuade. This is all about turn out. Who can you turn out? What we, what we do know is that black turnout Early voting is ahead of November 3rd. That was key. The real question, Robert, what will these white independents do? What will these white moderates do? Are white Democratic voters in Georgia as intensely focused on this issue, on these races, and not just the two Senate races, but the Daniel Blackman races, that race as well, the state race, the three, the three runoffs, are white voters are as intensely focused on this, your perspective? 
I think they are. I think we have to separate uh, into a couple of groups there. When you talk about white voters, where you're looking at your college-educated, uh, progressive, urban whites, then yes, they are, are very motivated and interested in these issues. Uh, but when you talk about swing voters in Georgia, you know, those uh, white independents don't exist. Those are Republicans who don't put on the MAGA hat. Uh, when you're talking about centrist white voters or white working-class voters, that doesn't exist. They haven't put their MAGA hat on in public yet, but trust me, they're voting on the other side. So what you, you have to focus on is making sure that you're turning out your base. Stop looking for these imaginary people who left the Democratic Party in 1984. Uh, stop looking for these uh, those imaginary Rust Belt, blue-collar uh, voters to come back. They don't exist anymore. Get uh, get over there to English Avenue. Get over there to Bankhead. Get down to, uh, uh, to Victory Drive in Columbus. Get, uh, go over to River Street. Wherever you have your base app, that's where you need to be voting because what we're seeing from Leffler and Purdue they are making absolutely no effort to go across party lines. At this point, Leffler is just making a bold-faced lies and conspiracy theories to try to smear Warnock, while people in Georgia are still asking the question, what the hell does she do for a living, and how does she get a half billion dollars, which her campaign will not answer. So when you get to the point of being uh, in the ridiculous season, you, these aren't people you're going to persuade. You have to focus on turning your base out, getting those souls to the polls, getting those bands out there, working with the outside groups, because it's all, all a turnout game. Whoever gets their people out there, that's who's going to win. And again, right, and again, that's what it boils down to, Rishi, ground game, ground game, ground game. And so what uh, we are seeing uh, is that uh, Democrats got to work it on the ground. I've been talking about third-party groups, the role they have been playing here uh, in Georgia. Yeah, y'all, I had to put my goggles on. Way too much conversation here going on uh, with COVID, so I'm protecting my eyes. Uh, but, but Rishi, the third-party groups, I think that's also going to be key. The work that Black Voters Matter is doing, the work that Georgia Stand Up is doing, uh, the work that New Georgia Project is doing, uh, AOC's group, they're coming in, paying people to canvas. Uh, when we were today, earlier today, I talked to some black business owners here in Savannah. Uh, one woman said, I've already voted. I've had two folks uh, knocking on my doors. Other, We were, we were in uh, Albany. They said that they've never seen this type of intensity of people knocking on doors as well. Remember during the general election campaign, the Biden campaign for the longest said because of COVID, we're not gonna do any door knocking. Then all of a sudden people said, damn that, we gotta go knock on doors. You gotta be able to touch the people in those rural areas. That's where this is gonna be won or lost. Democrats, Reese, keep talking about the suburbs, but part of the problem you mentioned in Texas is that they kept focusing on the suburbs, but they got clobbered in rural Texas. You can't ignore black folks and Latinos uh, and in those rural areas because you can't have 80-20 70 30 you need to have a 65 35 60 40 to give democrats a chance to win here in georgia absolutely and i think that the, those third party groups are very key in getting that rural vote because the democrat democratic party just does not have the infrastructure they haven't invested the infrastructure um in those areas i also you know do want we haven't talked about it yet aside from you mentioning it but i do think that the presence of vice president-elect kamala harris and president-elect joe biden will also have a galvanizing impact. It definitely shows the level of importance of these two seats. They'll be able to drive home the importance of the agenda for their base. And hopefully that will have an impact, but nothing beats this, 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 this canvassing. They're doing text banking. They're doing phone banking, uh, literature. You have to really hit them on all fronts. You like to point out, Roland, that these TV ads are pointless. 
And so it is very important to have that face-to-face -face contact or even if it's socially distanced contact, have these rallies, which can be a very much energizing impact. Early voting is going to be over by the time President-elect, uh, vi uh, Vice President-elect and President-elect return to Georgia. So getting them out there the day or two days before the day of voting is important because you really don't want to be in a position to where you are getting clobbered in the election day vote. You know, luckily, it was enough to overcome um, with the absentee ballots in the general election. But we have to make sure that anybody who hasn't voted early gets out on election day. Uh, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why we were here uh, in Savannah. Uh, I'm going to roll this video from my iPad, Henry. Uh, earlier, uh, we live streamed this. Y'all can see the whole video on YouTube. We spent two hours visiting a bunch of different places here uh, in uh, Savannah. Going to, we went to a beauty salon, went to an uh, automotive place, went to uh, a, um, a, an embroidery place, I went to make fraternity gear, uh, talking to folks, getting a sense of what was going on. This is when we went to um, the, the embroidery place. So, yeah, uh, check this out a little bit earlier today. Uh, here we're here, Sigma Graphics. Okay. Uh, a, a local owned screening, uh, uh, screening and embroidery t-shirts and, and, and fraternity shop. Owned by Sigma? Unfortunately owned by Sigma. Yes sir, yes sir, huh? yes sir. I appreciate it. Let this be the beginning of a new relationship. Yes sir, yes sir. Okay. I want to introduce you to Roland Martin. Roland Mark is uh, is in Savannah. All right. This is the uh, good? owner so, of Sigma Graphics. He so, and, and his brother. He's also spearheading the worn out campaign for Chatham County. Okay. And uh, uh, and and he's here, and he he has a whole team coming all the way from Atlanta to get the vote out because he knows how important it is. How's it been going so far? It's, it's doing going pretty good. Um, Right now, we got people out in the corners waving. We got a uh, kind of events. We got rallies going on this weekend. We had a rally pretty much every weekend so far. So it's looking good. We definitely need to get some more people out. The numbers are a little low down here, so we need to do a little better. But uh, we're working. Um, so nice to have you here. We appreciate any kind of help we can get down here to get that word out in Savannah. No, absolutely glad to be here. I'll tolerate you being a signal. <laughs> I'll tolerate Signal you know, graphic, so you got to walk know, in the I, signal. Man, I figured that. You know, <laughs> you know, it really should be called alpha graphics. No, no, no. You know. That's a print shot here. They just do business cards. No, that, it should be alpha graphics. You know, that's what it should be. How you doing? Uh, this is hey, Kelly, my you? business partner. Kelly? Right, Kelly Fletcher, nice to meet you. All right, you. good to meet you. Absolutely, also, glad to have you. We got the, um, I'm the president of the Black, the black Chamber here. Okay. And so we got some of our members here from different businesses here that came, came out of support. Mm -hmm. All right. Come on, go ahead. Go ahead. Come on. Thank you. Y'all, what's happening? Hey! What y'all doing? Good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, how's it going? Good. What's happening? What's happening? Little bling bling, man. <laughs> how you doing? How you doing? Y'all good? All right then. How's it going? All right. All right. Go. How you doing, Hello, sir? Y'all good? Hello. Hey there. All good. All good. So this is most of the board for the uh, Greater Savannah Black Chamber of Commerce. Okay. And um, just glad to have him. This is my brother right here, owner of the. Uh, oh, not group. another signature. <laughs> <laughs> you know. We all around here. You know. <laughs> Desmond, signature. <laughs> <That's Luke Farmer. laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, three sigmas and one alpha is unfair for y'all. <laughs> we got one capital. That's, that's unfair. We don't need no backup. <laughs> we don't need backup. So, 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 uh, how's it looking? What do y'all think this election looking like? Uh, 
Blue. Let's go blue. I think we're going to get it. I think we're going to get it. I really do. Uh, folks, I mean, so the, the folks, um, your businesses, I mean, what are they saying? First of all, do they know there's a runoff going on? Mm -hmm. uh, are they engaged? Oh, yes. yes, yes definitely. More than I've ever seen we, anywhere else. We get enough calls. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Yes. Text messages, calls, we get enough of them. Yeah. Daily. Yeah. I heard. I heard. <laughs> and there's a lot of knocks on the door already. Really? Yes. 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 Text messages, phone calls. Yes. I even got a text message saying your daughter hasn't voted yet. I'm Knocking like, on yes, the door. she has. <laughs> Emails. I've got them all. Okay, I I got you. I got you. Got me up. All right then. All right then. Well, that's that's one of the things that um uh you said you got two knocks. Yes. Now I we've been in Columbus, Macon, Warner Robins, Albany. My goodness, this is our second time or third time here. Uh, and one of the things that folks that they said they've seen more canvassing than they've ever seen. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and it's a good thing, door, and it's a good thing. Huh? <laughs> I'm putting a sign on my door saying, I voted. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> like, man, there's a whole witness rolling up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and my mom is 74, and this is like her first time voting ever. Are you serious? Uh, wow. Yeah, she's 74 years of age, first time voting. She's already voted in the, uh, in the runoff, okay. Yeah. She said, I ain't waiting till election day. Well, that's the other deal. First off, African-Americans, even though we focus on the early voting, only about 35% of black folks vote early. So most of us, want, for, because we were denied the right to vote, mm -hmm. it is, especially for older voters, it's something, um, it's something uh, important to actually physically go to the mm -hmm. uh, voting booth uh, on election day. Yeah, and seeing you have children, like class of 2020, didn't get to walk across the stage, but they are voting. Okay. Yeah, we have a... a freshman in college this year and she's been really involved and excited because she's really seen that her voice matters uh -huh. in a way that you know I don't know that my first election I don't know that I felt like that but she knows every vote counts now okay okay cool yeah okay now what kind of business do you have I have an event planning business as well as a patch business gotcha. a mm -hmm. patch business patch customized patches okay I got you I, I got have you. something for you Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How about you? I'm a productivity coach and, and speaker. Okay. All right, folks. Uh, you can see more of that uh, on our uh, YouTube channel. And so uh, it was great uh, to be out there. Greg, um, before I go to uh, the rally that we had, um, this was one of the reasons why we wanted to spend the time on the ground because you get a better sense of what's happening. In a moment, we're actually a little bit later, we're going to talk with the owner of this restaurant to talk about uh, how COVID has impacted him. We'll talk about uh, PPP loans. We'll talk about all those things along those lines. Uh, and when we were talking with the state senator, uh, as we were breaking this thing down, he talked about how black businesses are being impacted. Uh, one, this is precisely why what black media should be doing, bringing our perspectives on the ground of what's going on, because... That's how you really get an understanding. Look, we travel all over this state uh, covering John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. But if you don't talk to the folks, you don't really get an understanding of what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And that's one of the reasons why we want to do today. In fact, that when actually what they did to me, Greg, they had, they had me going to a restaurant for lunch. And then they had me going to, uh, to see, seeing the mayor. I'm like, no, nah, we're not doing that. I said, I saw the mayor and I was last time. He said, Alpha brother. I said, I appreciate him. I said, no, we're going to hit some stops. And so we hit a black-owned uh, black floors tier. Like I said, an automotive shop. 
uh, a, 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 a black uh, beauty salon. Uh, that's what it was all about, to get a sense of these owners, what they are experiencing. And, in fact, the state senator, I'm talking to him a little, a little bit later, he's a dentist. He said that normally he sees 25 patients a day. That's not down to eight because of COVID. He said tourism is the number one, the number two economic driver here in Savannah. He said they went from 90% occupancy to 20%. That's the condition of the economy that we're talking about here. And so that's one of the reasons why we wanted to hear directly from them how this they're being impacted. Well, Roland, uh, well, first of all, we let that signal pass with uh, Colin. If it was Alpha, it'd be a print shop. We don't let that shade pass because it, really it really speaks to the point you're raising. Um, <laughs> You are doing something that is really unprecedented in the 21st century. There was a time when black folk were driven by local community information. Even the Pittsburgh Courier, the Norfolk uh, Journal and Guide, or the Chicago Defender had to cover local news. And so what you have now replicated, what you're pioneering, is going into the places where our people are. And you're not just doing uh, black folk. Man, when I watched you yesterday with O.J. Simmons from Four Directions, Native Americans in Georgia, talking to them, listening to that, those concerns, reaching out to them beyond Atlanta, beyond Savannah, beyond uh, the, 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 the Macon or beyond Albany. What you're doing is reconnecting to the way that community is built. And the fact that you're doing it, by the way, I saw that mothership, mothership you pulled up in, brother. I'm assuming Roland Martin and Phil <laughs> that's the more firepower you're waging. That's not MSNBC. That's not C-SPAN. In fact, I nope. haven't watched any of those in well over a month. And when I do sample them on YouTube or something, you realize they are ridiculously inept at talking about things they should be dealing with. So what you are doing, in fact, when you, I'll end with this, when you walked in there and you said, hey, y'all, you heard other people say, hey, that's where our people are, man. So as Reese has said, and as Robert has said, those are the two and three votes in each of those rural areas that will put it close enough for the back to be broken on election day. But what you're really modeling for us is how black media, in fact, all media, should be covering stories, not just in this country, but around the world. So much credit to you, brother, and thank you. And Roland, can I, I, can I say it. one thing to your much. point? Yeah, go Can ahead. Can I say one thing go to ahead. your point? Because my sister, uh, she's in the Atlanta area. She's a diehard election day voter. I was trying to get her to early vote in the general. She refused to do it. She voted on election day. She has now voted early. And one of the things she said is, okay, maybe I'll stop getting these text messages. So the outreach is working. <laughs> They're getting diehard election day voters in there early. And then they can focus on whoever's left to turn those folks out. Um, those lower and, propensity voters on election day. And, and Roland, I think one of the things that's important for with this last day of early voting, uh, the Republicans have already announced that they are going to be um, pulling out every trick in the book to try to suppress the vote on election day. Uh, the Secretary of State, Brad Rastenberger, people need to understand, just because Trump doesn't like somebody, that doesn't mean that they're our friend now. They're still the same person they were before. It just so happens Trump also doesn't like them now. They've announced that they're going to be cracking down on groups that bring water and coffee to people standing in line on election day, uh, claiming that that's electioneering. They're going to be cracking down on groups that are uh, allowing young people to stand in line for elderly people while uh, while they're waiting to vote and then swapping off in order for them to vote. They're uh, uh, going to be cracking down on any other groups that are working in this get-out-the-vote area to make it more uh, make it easier for more people to vote on the election day. 
So if you can vote early, if you have the capacity, if your county allows for it tomorrow, make sure that you uh, that you get in there that you uh, that you do that. And also, we have to um, be ready on election day for litigation that's going to be taking place because we know that these dirty tricks are going to pop out. They're all going to show up as much as half of the vote may vote on election day. So it's crucial for us to monitor exactly what the Secretary of State's office, what the election division, what the governor is doing, and also what the local election officials are doing to ensure that we have the most free and fair election possible. Uh, to your point, the Secretary of State, uh, they've been blasting. All these Republicans are angry over the decision by a federal judge who happens to be Stacey Abrams' sister. Uh, they're blasting her a decision she made yesterday regarding trying to invalidate these voters. Uh, and the Secretary of State, Brad uh, Raffensperger, actually uh, released this letter. Obama-appointed judge strikes blow to rule of law in Georgia elections. The president of the Georgia NAACP, was so offended by this letter. He was a part of a state task force on elections. Uh, he has quit that particular task force saying this letter was the final straw. You're absolutely right. Republicans in this state are going to try everything. They don't want to see food trucks. They want people standing in line. They want them uh, thirsty. They want them hungry. That's how they roll. They cannot win without voter suppression. And so you're absolutely right. That was one of the reasons... I was invited uh, to Savannah uh, to come to, to, to come here and speak. One of the things that we did uh, was uh, was come here uh, and speak at uh, Bethel AME Church. This here uh, is some drone footage uh, that we shot earlier uh, of that particular rally. Uh, people coming out socially distanced. They were there, of course. Uh, they're in, in their cars. And so really what we were focused on was encouraging them. Uh, if you look at that video earlier after we went to uh, that, uh, that shop, uh, the Sigma their own, uh, we actually went to a home of an alderman at large where a number of black elected officials, the first black DA and so many others who were here as well. And so that's, that's the video you're seeing right there. Uh, we were at that rally, and here is some of what was said. Uh, I was a keynote speaker there, and so we want to give you all some of the flavor uh, of that speech. What we have to understand is this is our moment. You have been living in a state that for decades has been defined as a red state. See, this, this is not a elephant or a donkey thing. This is not a red or a blue thing. This is not a D or an R thing. For black folks, it's a right or a wrong thing. But I need the folk today to understand that the election taking place on Tuesday is not about 2021 or 2022. You see, last month I turned 52. I have nine nieces, four nephews. And so the work that I do today, my parents are 73, they work the polls, uh, they are very involved in politics, but the work that I do as a journalist in terms of advocating for our people and using the power of the media is the same thing that Ida B. Wells Barnett did, Frederick Douglass did, Robert Abbott with the Chicago Defender, A.I. Scott with the Atlanta Daily World, exactly with the Pittsburgh Courier. They use the power of the media to inform our people to change the condition for the next generation. And so my fight today ain't about me and my pocketbook. It's about what kind of America my nieces and nephews are going to have when they are adults. And so that really has to be how we are looking at this election, is that when you go into that voting booth, you are not 
actually voting for your children's children. So all of this intensity we have, we have to keep this up after the election. And even if Ossoff and Warnock win, we can't say, hey, cool, they won. No. No, because now you got to do what you said you were going to do. If Ossoff and Warnock wins, the George Floyd Justice Act becomes law because it's already passed the House, it can pass the Senate. If Ossoff and Warnock wins, the John Lewis voter bill gets passed, and then we are able to fight voter suppression in this country. If Ossoff, Ossoff and Warnock win, now you begin to have a different conversation about criminal justice reform in this country and in terms of changing our laws and making things better. That's if that happens. But if it doesn't happen, here's what will happen. Mitch McConnell will vote on nothing. He will do what he has done for the last four years. He will block everything. Frederick Douglass said, agitate, agitate, agitate. Power concedes nothing without a demand. Never have, never will. Well, we are sitting with power in our hand, and we can walk into a ballot box and use it. And I dare say, Savannah, this is the moment where you tell Kelly Leffler and David Perdue and the Republicans in this state, if y'all think y'all ready for a fight, y'all have not seen a fight until you see our people swinging every single day using our power. And if somebody tells you that they are unwilling to fight, all you got to do is quote my frat brother, Burton of Woodson Tandy, one of the founders of Alpha Phi Alpha, who said this here. He said, we will fight until hell freezes over, and then we will fight on the ice. Savannah, it's time to fight. Fight for your right, fight for your power, fight for your issues, and it's time for us to send a signal, do not mess with us, because we're going to show you how to fight. Thanks a bunch. Here, put that one on her. Got it. Uh, all right, folks, we're back here at uh, the restaurant Belfast. This was suggested by uh, Savannah Alderman at large, uh, Gibson Carter. Uh, we were uh, we, we, part of our crawl, if you will. Uh, we uh, stopped at her home where a number of other elected officials uh, were there. And she said, y'all should do the show from, from Belfast. We were like, okay, we hadn't picked a place yet. So that's why we're here. She joins us right now. How you doing? Martin and welcome to Savannah. Yeah, uh, uh, certainly glad to be back. Uh, so, let's, so let's talk about um, your sense of where we are in this election. Uh, what is happening out here uh, in Savannah? What are you? Uh, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What's happening? Well, listen. The fact that you are here in Savannah means that we are special. Something really, really special and unique happened in the last election. Chatham County not only was on the map in Georgia, Chatham County was on the map in the United States. And we want that same resounding message to ring clear across the nation to let them know that Savannah, Georgia, Georgia, Chatham County will be impactful in this election season. In 2019, our electorate here in Savannah spoke loud and clear and voted an almost entire council out and a new council in. And that signaled that they were ready for change. Not only are people ready for change here in Savannah, black, white, brown, green, Hispanic, African, you name it. People want change across the land. And so we are here to represent that change. We right now, for the first time in the nation, have a supermajority African-American council comprised of five African-American females. And so we can really turn this city around, turn this state around, 
The city of Savannah generates the most money for Georgia, only second to Atlanta. We have one of the wealthiest ports in the nation, and we boast of being the tourist capital of the South. With all of that wealth and resource, we still make up twice the national average in poverty. And we are here to declare that it is time out and it is time for a real change. Not status quo, not business as usual, but we have come here to take our city back, not for ourselves, but for our people, those who are among the least, the lost, the left out, and the last. Are people understanding the connecting of the dots, the role that Ossoff and Warnock, uh, how important that will be, not only, of course, in Washington, D.C., with national policy, but again, having two Democrats serving as United States senator. I mean, that that's power, how they can actually maximize that to bring things back to Georgia. You know, that's a great question, and I'm so proud to say yes. Yes, our citizens know exactly what's at stake here. They know that having Kamala Harris and... President-elect Biden in office is not enough. We need Warnock and we need Ossoff. Without them, we are essentially at a stalemate. And so what we are going to do is signal the fact that our electorate is intelligent, our electorate is plugged in, and our electorate is engaged. They are smart enough, they are intelligent enough, and they are motivated enough to cast their ballots, go back to the polls on January 5th, and make their voices heard and their vo votes count. Now, in terms of uh, one of the things that we saw, some 76,000 folks who did not vote in November 3rd have already registered. More than half of them are people of color. Uh, and so what have you seen on the ground here to really get young voters focused? Because the 18 to 29, 1835 demographic, uh, not as uh, focused on voting as 65 plus. Well, listen, let me tell you this. The day we woke up on election morning and my 18 year old daughter who is a newly registered voter woke up and said mom i'm in line at our precinct and i was still in bed that's when i knew something special was happening in america when you have 18 year olds who are getting up before their parents and heading to the polls to cast their ballots that's when we know we have something special no longer do we need people to fill out ballots for us. No longer do we need people to tell us who to vote for. You know what? Our people are smart, they're educated, they can read, they can reason, and they can read between the lines, through the lines, and over the headlines of all of the fake news. <laughs> all right, well, we certainly appreciate it. We're certainly glad to be here, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens on Tuesday. We're going to win. Yeah. We're going right. to win. I'm going to now uh, bring up uh, State Senator Lester Jackson. Uh, I want to uh, chat with him. Uh, Senator Jackson, we traveled around a little bit earlier today, uh, visiting various places. One of the things that we talked we talked about uh, was the impact of COVID on black businesses. Uh, speak to that and how that uh, how that has gone here in Savannah. Well, I'm going to tell you, um, they, they often say when, when, when white businesses have a cough, black businesses have pneumonia. It is uh, black business has been affected Ten times as worse as other businesses in our in our community. Black business has closed five times more than the white businesses. It has affected the black community because, because the first people that are laid off in black in, 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 in urban areas are, are black employees. And those are the ones that do business with black other black businesses. And when they're laid off, they have limited limited incomes to spend. They can't go to restaurants. They can't they can't get their cars detailed. 
they, they have difficulty uh, uh, building and buying houses and, and calling in for a plumber to fix the houses. So it, it, affects, it affects this whole community when, when black businesses fail. to a higher government. So, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, there are folks in this city, they expect you to bring the bacon back to Savannah. And so, same thing, that's what you expect when it comes to Congress, uh, uh, when it comes to Congress as well. Uh, and so, for the folks who don't understand why it's important to have uh, an Ossoff or Warnock uh, in the United States Senate, from a state senator's perspective, uh, explain that. Well, see, People like Reverend, Renal, Reverend Warnock, he's from urban areas. You know, he's well, from, from here. Right, right. He's from Savannah. Yeah. Right. He, under, he understands he understand urban issues. He understands being impoverished. He understands working, working up. He understands that, that, that urban areas cannot survive without federal help. So, so he understands the issues of urban America. But he also understands the issues of rural America, too. He understands disenfranchised folks. He understands people that need a livable wage. He understands that people who need access to health care. But more importantly, Reverend Warnock understands that an education is, the, is a lifesaver, is a life bread for African-American community. He knows that had it not been for scholarships and, and, and loan forgiveness and Pell Grants, he wouldn't be who he is. And he knows that to change America, that we need help with higher education. We need loan forgiveness, we need more grants that's affordable, and we need to help younger people who are disenfranchised uh, get a, the best way to get into the entrepreneurship and help America is to help them get to higher education. And Ossoff is very similar. All right then. Mm -hmm. Senator Jackson, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with us today, Man, uh, going all around. I really enjoyed you being here. Georgia's gonna change. But when Georgia changed and vote for Ossoff and Warnock, America changed for a new vision, for a new direction. Kamala Harris will be the deciding vote in the, in the United States Senate. And we here to tell you that South and Coastal Georgia will, will be the difference maker. We're going to win. Thank you very All right, much, I sir. appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, so uh, there was a sister who was, I guess she was supposed to sing, but then she didn't realize, she didn't realize we were doing interviews. So she had to st she had to be quiet while we talked. So why don't you why don't you bring your behind over here and sing? Where you going? Uh, girl, get over here. Hello, Pharaoh. Let. My people go, go down, Moses, way down on Egypt's land, and hello, Pharaoh, let my people go. Tonight, I want to welcome each and every one of you here. Tonight, we celebrate the principal Nia, which means purpose. Principal Nia means purpose, and we have a purpose for being here tonight.
I was going to go and uh, do a big old speech and uh, a big history on the building that we are standing in right now. But I don't have to do that because the man that does that all the time is standing right behind me. But first and foremost, I want to give recognition to the individual who decided to put this Kwanzaa crawl together. And that is none other than P1. I got you. Alder Woman, Keisha Gibson Carter, my colleague. I also want to say that we have elected officials here. And I would like for each one of our elected officials, I know we have folk that are standing right now. I can't call all of you by name. If I could, I would. But if you just throw your hands up and let everybody know that you're here. And our special, special guest, the one and only, none other than Mr. Roland Martin. I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for dropping all those jewels and pearls of wisdom today. Because now, because you've come and you've spoken and you've given us the blueprint on what we need to do, we're gonna make sure that it happens. All right? So now, oh Lord, have mercy. Francis Johnson, the one and only Mr. <laughs> Reverend Dr. Attorney, Francis Johnson just walked in. And we have other distinguished dignitaries, our <laughs> restaurant owners, our uh, 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 artists, and everybody. And, and who? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. The bishop of the AME Church is here. Wave your hand, baby, so everybody can see who you are. Somewhere over there. We know you're here. And with all of that being said, I am yours truly, your host tonight, none other than Alder Woman at Large, Post 2, Alicia Miller-Blakely. I'm not going to hold you any longer. Like I said, I had a whole spiel uh, planned for tonight, but God's grace, favor, and mercy allowed Mr. Roland Martin to come here, and we're going to let him do what he do, but we're also going to bring up none other than... Yeah, we're going to let you do what you do, because guess what? Hold on, y'all. He, he's in our house right now. Show us what you do. <laughs> we go on the commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Keon Harrell's news conference with Ben Crump and Reverend Al Sharpton in New York. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered broadcasting live from Belfort's here in Savannah, Georgia. We'll be right back. <laughs> if your vote didn't matter, you wouldn't have so many people trying so hard to stop you from voting. There is some value there. But even when you talk about that people are not paying attention to your issues, I can't pay attention to your issues if I don't even know you're there. And the only reason people are going to know you're there is when you show up to the polls and vote. That's when that power manifests itself. But as long as you stay at home, as long as you're making excuses, then guess what? You will always experience these issues that we're experiencing today. And another thing, don't get caught up in the candidates. Right? There's, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect candidate, but you should be going to vote for the most important person, and that is you and the one you love. You talk about you, you're, you'll fight for the one you love. You're willing to die for the one you love. You need to ask yourself, are you willing to vote for the one you love? 
because if you don't, there's going to be somebody's neck on yours pretty soon. Uh, America is a complicated story of people building a more, perf more perfect union. And if you don't think there's been any change, you should sit down with Andrew Young. Uh, you should sit down from some of the folks in that generation who know the distance we've come. And um, uh, as we continue to push hard, change comes. The other side knows your power. The other side knows your voice. That's why they're engaged in voter suppression. If you weren't so powerful, they wouldn't be trying so hard to stop you from voting. And so you ought to stand up in this defining moment in American history and win the future for all of our children. We're at Mom's Kitchen in Preston, Georgia. It's a family business. I enjoy making people happy, giving them a good meal. But since COVID, we had to close our main dining room. We lost all of that business. And we used to do a lot of caterings. We can't do any of that anymore. David Perdue knew what was about to happen. He was getting classified briefings about the pandemic. But instead of him being concerned about us, he off selling stock. We had no idea we'd have to close our businesses off. We'd lose caterings and so many people died. And then when we needed help the most, he fought against the stimulus checks and to cut unemployment insurance. Purdue needs to come out and us off in. Early voting starts December 14th. You gotta make a plan to vote. I'm John Ossoff and I approve this message. Roland Martin, unfiltered. Stay woke. All right, folks, welcome back to, welcome back to Roland Martin, unfiltered. All right, so I was on the YouTube feed, uh, Reese, Greg, and Robert. Folks were saying, who was doing all that laughing back there? That was me. Yeah, that was, that was definitely me. <laughs> I was I quiet. Uh, I, I, I think you have to. You gotta that love was, uh, how black people come to take over. It's no shame. Y'all calm down. Jeez, come on. Yeah, that was everything. About <laughs> some of y'all need to take the pros back. Y'all a little hype. I ain't say nothing. Everything, that's everything I missed about Savannah. I'm down there as soon as the pandemic's over. Hey, are we willing to risk? Oh that, my brother? goodness! I, I... wait. Say, Roland, this not morning, Joe. In other words, Go this ahead. ain't no box stage thing. You with black people, brother. This the blackest show on television. Oh. Always. Well, you know this, and of course, uh, uh, that that that's why I could like, there's way, it's too many folk up in here too close. So you see, uh, that's why I had to put the goggles on. I don't play that. I got the goggles on, double mask. No I, I even got gloves. And trust me, uh-uh, I'll put this on every 10 minutes. I'm good. You know, I don't play that. All right, well, y'all, let's talk about uh, some other off, new... <laughs> you had your gloves on outside. Yeah, well, well, well... <laughs> 
Well, I had the gloves on our side because everybody was everybody wanted to shake hands, but I fist bump. I don't shake hands. And then what they do is folks want an elbow touch. No, 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 no. My arm is longer. I ain't touching elbows. I so I I, I what I say I extend the whole hand out. So that's right. No, no, we keep distance uh, away. Let's talk about uh, some other things in the news today, folks. Officials in Boston they have removed a statue of Abraham Lincoln with a formerly with a formerly enslaved person at his feet. The statue depicts Abraham Lincoln holding his hand over a kneeling black man, a figure modeled on Archer Alexander, who was the last man captured under the Fugitive Slave Act. Earlier this year, protesters demanded the statue be removed, citing it was demeaning and lacked proper context. Agree or disagree, Greg Carr? Uh, that's tough, man, because you know, as, you, as you know, the original of that statue is here in Washington, D.C., and Frederick Douglass spoke at the dedication of that statue, which is in Emancipation Park. It was the first statue that uh, black folk helped raise money for. In fact, it was the sister Charlotte Scott who put the first $5 on it. And uh, at the dedication, Douglass took the opportunity to roast uh, Ulysses Grant, who was there, for basically backing up on the promise of Reconstruction. And then he wrote a letter later saying... Yeah, I don't know if I'm with this kneeling black. We need more than one statue. So th there's a mixed legacy to that. It's a really mixed legacy. I, I could have gone either way on it, but I don't never like to see no black man kneeling down or black woman, especially with the fraud known as Abraham Lincoln, who gets way too much credit for something that we did ourselves, which is free ourselves. Well, this and this is one of the things, Reese, we've seen these debates taking place uh, all over. I mean, th this is why uh, it's important to have history. And here's the here's the deal. If we're going to be really, be, really be honest, white Americans can't stand history. Matter of fact, this brother who's talking back here is talking about history uh, in this uh, city, in this state. But we've always had white folks defining what history is in America. Now you have black folks who said, no, let's redefine uh, history as opposed to history. Yeah, but I mean, I, I I agree with Dr. Carr on this. You know, you always have to defer to Dr. Carr on matters like this. But to me, a statue is like a tweet. It's like a headline. It's like a caption. It's not enough context. And people just take the statue and they run with it. They take the image and they run with it without understanding the nuance and the real history that goes behind it. And so I think the imagery of a black man still in chains, kneeling in front of... Um, Abraham Lincoln, it's just not an image that, you know, is necessary. So, I mean, it's one thing if there's some sort of context that's around it, but I just think visually it's the wrong message in 2020 and in 2020. But, but I think one of the things that you're seeing, Robert, what you're seeing is people now realizing the lack of enough uh, statues with African-Americans. We talked about Robert E. Lee statue in, in the uh, U.S. Statuary Hall, Virginia removing it, replacing it with a black woman uh, who fought uh, for school, um, who fought to end school segregation. Uh, same thing, Florida removed one of their statues, replaced by Mary McLeod Bethune. And so, again, I go back to history and history. We have been so erased from this country that it's a matter of playing catch up when it comes to uh, these statues that represents uh, our uh, involvement in the building of this country. You're absolutely correct. And, and with this statue, I think this is a place where the historical context was necessary to be placed in there. Because one thing that we cannot do is allow America to let itself off the hook for slavery. Many people have forgotten about the institution, or they believe that was so long ago that it has no impact on the uh, on society today. I have a, um, one of my great aunts who helped raise me, was born in 1888, and grew, went to school with, uh, with Booker T. Washington. 
the generation that she grew up with were enslaved and could tell firsthand accounts of what they went through, what that generation after Reconstruction was. So when you take down all of the markers, when you take, don't add the necessary historical context, you allow white people in this country to pretend that it never happened or to act as if it was so far gone that there's no way to put in the type of reparative and restorative measures that are necessary in order to ameliorate the harm that was done by it. So in this case, for this particular statue, I would have liked to see them add more context to it, explain exactly what that uh, what this statue was uh, commemorating, because also many people don't remember that there was slavery in the North. We think of it as being a simply Southern institution, but up and down the East Coast, many of those trading uh, empires, much of the money that went into Wall Street and the money that found this country was also built on the backs of slaves, and we need to put that context in the face of America and not simply let them sweep it under the rug and forget that it ever happened. Well, when you talk about not letting folks uh, off the hook, uh, that today in, in New York City, there was a news conference with Keon Harold, uh, attorney Ben Krupp, and Reverend Alice Sharpton. Keon Harold was on our show yesterday. He is the brother, of course, uh, who was accosted by a white woman at a New York hotel who attacked him and his son, suggesting that his son stole her iPhone. Well, he didn't. An Uber, an Uber driver later returned it. Uh, well, Ben Crump and others, they say, it is time for the New York District Attorney to press charges against this woman for assault. Here's Ben Crump at today's news conference. So many of our brothers and sisters being falsely accused and losing their life and their liberty for decades in prison. I mean, there are thousands of black men in prison because they were racially profiled and falsely accused. So this has larger implications. I mean, it was Emmett Till who was falsely accused and racially profiled that led to him being lynched. And so it is a larger conversation that has a larger impact on society. And if we don't hold this person accountable to show that there's not a double standard in America, that we can't have these two justice systems in America, one for black America and one for white America, because we know without a shadow of a doubt, Reverend Al, if Keon, if the roles would have been reversed and you had a black adult tackle a white teenager, and falsely accused that white teenager of taking the cell phone, we know that he would have been arrested for assault and battery. And so we're looking to the NYPD and we're looking to the Manhattan District Attorney to say, are you going to join in the racial profiling or are you going to do your job and deliver equal justice to send a message not only to this family, not only to New York, but to America and the world, that equal justice under the law for all American citizens. So our children will know that it is unacceptable to racially profile them. And if you do it, that there are going to be consequences. Because wasn't it in Central, at Times Square, with Central Park, Central Park here in New York, where we saw a black man be racially profiled and thank God that we have video camera. Can you imagine, can you imagine 
what the narrative would have been if Keon Harrell had not videoed the incident on his cell phone. Just ponder that for a second, what the narrative would have been. Because we understand that this person already, Attorney Craig, is trying to allege that she was assaulted by Keon. Now think about that. She is enraged. She's coming at this young man, his son, his cub, who she's never met before in his life, making these wild accusations. I mean, clawing, tackling him. See, you only saw the video that Keon was able to capture on his cell phone. But we know that the hotel surveillance video has it all. Yes. And you see his son being attacked by this woman. You see him being attacked by this woman. They didn't attack her. She attacked them. And all he was doing was trying to protect his cub, as any good parent would have done. And I'm sure you all saw the interview, the only interview that his parents allow him to speak and will allow him to speak where he said, I don't know what would have happened if my father wasn't there. Right. Amen. I don't know what would have happened if my father wasn't there. Thank you, Lord. And so, it, 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 it is, I get a little choked up, and I'm sure many people of color get choked up because so often black men get stereotyped as not being there for our children. Well, thank God we have video documentation right. that right. we are here for our children right. and that we love right. our children right. just as much as anybody else. Lord, their children. Also at today's uh, news conference, Keon Harrell, who is a Grammy Award-winning trumpeter, plays for Maxwell, has played for so many others. Uh, he played a rendition of America the Beautiful mixed with We Shall Overcome.
Well, uh, the uh, person uh, who uh, did this, um, her name is Cassandra Medina. Uh, this is her photo uh, right here. Her name is all over social media. Uh, these are some of the images that were posted uh, on social media of Cassandra Medina. Reese, I, I want to start with you. Uh, they want charges pressed against her. You hear it being, being crumbed. Say she all of a sudden trying to say she was attacked. Mm, sorry, white woman. That will not. That is not going to fly. Um, not only do we have Keon's video, you have the hotel video that also shot the whole deal. Yeah, she's going to have to answer to this. Yeah, and I've seen reporting that the district attorney's office is considering charges on a slew of charges, including assault. And so this is the same thing that we've seen historically. I'm actually very happy for a change to see black people completely unequivocally stand up and demand action. Because a lot of times in these cases, what we see is folks get up there and say, I just want an apology or I forgive you or whatever else and play the conciliatory role. No, lock her ass up, okay? That's what she need to be in jail. I don't have no problems with that. So whatever they gotta do, whatever kind of press conference or, or, or you know, interviews they have First of all, uh, I'm shocked that you actually said effing and not the actual word. But let's go I'm to Robert Patillo. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That must be, that must be it. That, that's her early New, New, New Year's resolution. Uh, Robert Patillo, I, I, I want to go to you. Uh, Reese is right. Challenge these folks. Go after these folks. I'm, I, I ain't letting white folks off the hook, okay? I'm tired of black people not being able to barbecue, not being able to sell lemonade, not being able to work at UPS, not being able to work at FedEx. Damn that. Go after all of them. Well, you have to understand that second-class citizenship has been so ingrained into African-Americans over generations that it's reflexive for many. Um, we apologize to, to them for getting hit. We apologize for them for having to inconvenience them by uh, putting our blackness near them in many cases. So I think it is important for us to understand that as first-class citizens, as modern-day 21st-century African-Americans, we have every ability and every right to be protected. And I, I still think we have to get to the point in our criminal justice system where you do not need to have video footage in 1080p or in 4K in order to receive justice in this country. 
What we saw from the Justice Department on the Tamir Rice announcement that they would not be investigating is that the video was too grainy. As if you have to have Steven Spielberg to direct uh, a video in order to receive justice in this country. And even if you look at the difference between the white college student from uh, from Georgia who's down in the Cayman Islands who committed an actual crime, they got sentenced to a couple months in jail for committing a crime, and two United States senators and the governor are trying to get her out of that versus a young African-American male in New York who committed the crime of simply walking by a white woman who was confused. And the fact that if it was not for video, if it was not for her, his father being there, he more than likely would have been detained by the hotel, may have been investigated by police, may have even been taken into custody and spent a night in jail because this woman accused him of this, because there's always this presumption of criminality among well, African-American men, particularly when it comes to interactions with white women. This detail is old as time, even though it's rhyme. And until we break that, uh, that cultural stereotype, we're going to have to continue to fight these battles. You know, Super Mario was, re was rescuing the blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman from the castle. and all uh, King Kong was kidnapping and taking the bl blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman to the top of the Empire State Building. We have to break this ingrained nature of generational self-hatred of second-class citizenship and understand that the rule of law is meant to protect us just as much as meant to punish them. And Greg, we cannot forget Khalif Browder, accused of stealing a backpack. Spends three years in Rikers Island, finally released. He commits suicide because of the PTSD and the trauma and the abuse that he suffered. A simple allegation of theft. That's what happens to a black kid, especially a black male. Absolutely, Roland. Uh, Robert is right. Uh, it's later now. There are no, just like there are no unconvinced uh, voters in Georgia, people who have made up their mind. This country has made, a, it, it began as a declaration of war on us and the Native Americans. And Reese is right. It's time for this to end. With all due respect to Brother Crump, I think the most valuable thing he said in what he was saying today was this. There have to be repercussions. As Eddie Murphy said in, in Life, the movie Life, got to be repercussions and consequences. In other words, we need to stop trying to reach out. Because you have to understand, even as, uh, as was said on the floor of the Senate uh, today, 10 of the 25 poorest counties in the country are in Kentucky. But Mitch McConnell has decided, damn life, I pick holding this criminal enterprise together. In Georgia, Leffler and Purdue lie and say, we're for that $2,000 check. And so when you see them standing there in New York, and the brother did a beautiful rendering of We Shall Overcome and remixing it, but nah, bruh, with all due respect, later for that. Because as Robert just said, the Justice Department is handing out some lovely parting gifts to the white nationalists by letting the killers of Tamir Rice go. This is not accidental. These things are never going to change in this country. So I end with this. We're at an inflection point. Now, people can say, okay, well, don't make this about voting in Georgia. No, be very clear. Why the white nationalists are pulling out all stops in this election in Georgia is because they understand that six years from now, this country's going to look very different. And you roll up on us in six years, you might get your ass whipped. So let's be very clear. This is their desperate last dying gasp to hold this white minority government together. And the time for being polite, like my colleague Ted Delaney, who just made transition, and we're going to talk about him at, at down there at the College of Washington and Lee and others, that time is over. The statues is going, and we'll punch you dead in your face. And if the police, if, you got, if you're built like that, Chief, 
Let's move, because now it's repercussions. Later for the we shall overcome, later with the conciliation. You ain't going to roll up on us no more, because we're very clear. There are no people who are not convinced that they're right in their moves. We're just going to start counting heads and taking heads. We have to be clear about this now. And, and rolling to, to Dr. Well, Carr's point, just, just real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, just really quick to Dr. Carr's point. Understand the, the intersection of this in that Georgia race. We looked at that debate that took place between Warnock and Leffler. The reason that uh, Kelly Leffler, who has, I think, a MBA from DePaul University, not DuPaul, DePaul University, can call Raphael Warnock, who has a doctorate, radical liberal Warnock, instead of referring to him by name, is because of that same white privilege that allowed this woman to tackle this boy thinking that he had her cell phone. The reason that she can run commercials, a half billion dollars worth, with lie after lie after lie on him, and he has to be walking a little dog and eating pizza with a fork and knife trying to prove how nice he is, is because of that same over-criminalization of African-American men, that if he had raised his voice and said, well, what is backed industries? Where did you get that $182 million from a, a Chinese billionaire to start your cryptocurrency company? If he had said that, that would have been too aggressive. So you always have to almost submit to her white supremacy over you. You have to submit to your second-class citizenship because America will always assume that you, as the black man, will be the criminal, and you will always be over-criminalized. Look at that O.J. Simpson uh, Time magazine cover where they darkened you because they want to make sure you maintain your place. And every time that you say, I don't want to punish them, I want to be nice, I don't want anything bad to happen to them, you are playing into your own psychological second-class citizenship. And until you break free of that, you can never pr truly be a first-class citizen in this country. That's why, for me, I don't want to hear anything when they say, oh, my God, goodness, so-and-so's life was ruined. Well, guess what? Your ass shouldn't have done it. Then it wouldn't have been a problem. If you didn't do it, if you didn't show your white supremacy, if you didn't show your privilege, then guess what? You wouldn't be in trouble. So I don't give a damn if your life was ruined. Uh, this damn Medina, Cassandra Medina, whatever the hell her name is, I ain't got no problem whatsoever. If her ass lose her job and she get thrown out of her apartment, I don't care. Because what she did, again, Khalif Browder. Come First on, of all, man. I need y'all to understand something. <laughs> I need everybody listening to me understand something. An iPhone 11 cost $1,000. Do y'all know that theft of an iPhone in most places is a felony because of its value? Come on. Some of y'all didn't hear what I just said. One more time. Baby. The theft of an iPhone because of its value, if you are charged, you can be classified as a felony. Khalif Browder was accused of stealing a backpack of valuables. He spent three years in Rikers Island. That brother is dead because of the trauma that he experienced. And so no black kid, you're right, just like that brother we had on the show uh, who was handcuffed at the mall in Virginia when the cops accused him of uh, stolen credit, using a stolen, stolen credit card. It wasn't him, it was some other black guy who they detained. They didn't even bother to in ask him first. No, they immediately slapped the cuffs on him. Damn that, I don't want to have to experience getting cuffs slapped on me, uh, being wrong, wrongfully uh, persecuted. We've had too many black men who have gone to jail 
for 15, 20, 30 years uh, as a result of this nonsense. And so, no, it's uh, no t time is over. I ain't apologizing. Damn that. If her life gets destroyed, fine. And I'm going to reach it. Throw her punk, punk ass in jail uh, as long as you need to so she'll learn her damn lesson. Uh, folks, uh, Robert mentioned the Tamir Rice story. Yeah, the Department of Justice ruled uh, that that case is being closed because they say as a result of too poor quality video for prosecutors to conclusively establish what happened. We all know what the hell happened. We saw the video. This ain't that hard. But this is also part of the issue when you talk about a police officer who had issues with another police department getting a job in another police department. That's always been a problem. And speaking of that, in Louisville, they're moving to try to fire two of the officers involved uh, in the shooting death of Breonna Taylor. Uh, the officer who obtained a no-knock warrant uh, and the officer who fired the fatal bullet that struck Taylor received notice this week that the police department intends to fire them. Detective Joshua James, the officer who obtained the no-knock warrant, wrote in a sworn affidavit submitted to a Jefferson County judge that led uh, that that he had that he said that he had verified through a Houston Post U.S. Postal Inspector that Taylor's former boyfriend had been receiving packages at her home. However, that was a lie, according to Louisville Police Chief. Detective James received the information from Sergeant Mattingly who got it from another police officer. So you got hearsay. The police department spokesperson says the two officers have, will have the right to, to a pre-termination hearing before officially being fired. So basically, uh, Robert, they lied. Uh, absolutely they lied. I think that it is a disgrace for, uh, as a nation. The fact that it takes nine months, a global uh, a global uh, social justice movement, a racial reckoning uh, to address the issues of African-Americans and uh, police brutality in this country. And out of that, you get no criminal charges and you may get an officer or two fired a year later and they will still be able to get jobs in other jurisdictions. There's been no federal legislation. In the entirety of 2020, not on George Floyd, not on uh, Breonna Taylor, that has passed and been signed into law, despite 20 cities in this country being set on fires, the, despite the fact we still have people marching and protesting till this day in the middle of a pandemic on the issue of racial reconciliation. America loves racism so much that it will let this country burn to the ground before addressing it. So yes, it's a good thing for these officers to be fired. But more so, it puts uh, places in stark contrast the fact that we have to have a new civil rights act in America. These police officer, uh, officers and police jurisdictions have had a half century to catch up to and to circumvent the civil rights laws that are on the books. We, uh, we should not have a, a place where the, uh, the presidential administration and the particular attorney general are in charge of determining whether or not you have constitutional rights as an African-American in this country, because if you have Jeff Sessions or Bill Barr in office, that means effectively there is no Civil Rights Act in this country, because there will be no enforcement mechanism for them to prosecute it. So we have to find a better way to fix these issues in America. It's far past the time. We are in a country right now where no less than three separate billionaires are building their own spaceships to go to Mars. And we still can't figure out how to get a police to stop shooting black folks. We got to do something about it. It has to happen now. Not one of these will wait till we get a Senate majority in 2022. When we get the House back in 2024, first 100 days, it has to be an agenda item. And if not, there has to be hell to pay. That's right. Real simple. Old soft Warnock doesn't win. If they do win, that George Floyd Justice Act can actually get passed. Uh, but Absolutely. Dr. King wrote his book, Why We Can't Wait. Robert's right. Look, this ain't, no, we ain't waiting. It has to happen now.
Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I think we cannot underscore understate the fact that there is legislation that's already passed in the House that was actually co-sponsored and led the charge on by the vice president-elect Senator Kamala Harris. And so, you know, that's something that's a, a pretty obvious solution. If you get um, Ossoff and Warnock in there, then you don't have to rely on executive actions. You don't have to rely on the Department of Justice implementing different policies and then training and things of that nature. You can actually make it a illegal to do that. One of the reasons why the Department of Justice, which, by the way, under bar is full of shit, but one of the reasons why they weren't charging him is because the standard is so low. The standard is only of what is reasonable. It's not what is necessary. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act changes the standard. And then when you look at the Breonna Taylor case, that's a case where there's a person, and actually in both cases, in the Tamir Rice and the Breonna Taylor case, both of those cases involved officers who were recommended to, who were either fired from other jurisdictions or were recommended to not be hired. If the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed, then you would have a national database and you would avoid or be able to avoid situations like that where an officer can lie, which is why one of the Breonna Taylor officers was fired because, or, I'm sorry, uh, the Tamir Rice officer was fired because he lied on his application about, um, about prior incidents. So there are tangible solutions and there are solutions that have to be done through the law because it's just, it's the law that allows them to behave this way. But I firmly believe that um, that, that the Biden-Harris administration will take whatever kind of executive and agency action that they can to try to do something about what is going on right now. And uh, the last thing I'll say is we have to remember that the Obama administration, the Obama-Biden administration had the 21st century policing uh, task group. So they were trying to make progress on this, but you had a Republican obstructionist Congress. So it, again, goes back to Georgia. It goes back to what's in our power to do. And then we make further demands once we give our elected leaders the tools that they need. And Greg, to raise his point, one of the criticisms of attorney, former Attorney General Eric Holder was that, that the standard was so high to pursue civil rights charges against cops, and he said only Congress can fix that. That's why, see again, this connecting the dots. That's why Osoft Warnock matters. Uh, that's why if punk-ass Cal Cunningham wasn't sitting here uh, uh, sending out damn uh, uh, signal messages and then uh, Sarah Gideon loses in Maine, then you have, of course, uh, Amy McGrath, who gets crushed in Kentucky, you wouldn't be let, left up to uh, uh, these two races here. But this is where the dots are connected, and that's why this race matters. It is why we are here in Georgia trying to do all we can to make sure uh, the Osop and Warnock win to get these laws passed. Absolutely. To all my ideological, uh, ideologically pure comrades, set all that aside. We have to advance on all fronts at the same time. So the Democrats can get all the smoke, too. Tamir Rice was executed. He was executed by Timothy Lohman and Frank Garnback in 2014, as you say. That's under the Obama-Biden administration. And yes, uh, yes, the attorney general could say, he could say his hands were tied, but that ain't necessarily true. Now, in 2019, of course, two career Justice Department folks in the Department of Justice were denied permission to use grand jury to, to use a grand jury to issue subpoenas for testimony in Tamir Rice's case, and they ran out the clock. That is absolutely Bill Barr and Donald Trump, the white nationalists. But as Reese said, what you're looking at in Louisville, Miles Cosgrove, the trigger man that killed Breonna Taylor, and Joshua James, the bogus, uh, got the bogus warrant, 
those guys are getting moved out of the point because a black woman, Yvette Gentry, came out of retirement. She's the police chief now, and she brought her sister with her, Yolanda Baker, who's her administrative assistant, also came out of retirement. That is because of the political pressure of the people who have been in the streets. You've got to do it all together. So now we're at the point now in Georgia where people got to turn out to vote. So folks who are saying it doesn't matter who's in office, that's a lie. Ask the police chief of Louisville. Ask whoever the attorney general is going to be so that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris might get a second bite at the apple that was slow walk during the uh, Obama administration, which is, by the way, where you got Black Lives Matter born in the streets of Ferguson. You can combine that with voting and political pressure and external pressure, and these killers have to be brought to account. But it isn't a one or other strategy. We must advance it on all fronts, which is why the only thing we should be focusing on between now and January 5th is breaking the back of the white nationalist party in the United States Senate. And, and Roll, just one, go one, one thing. Uh, real, real quick, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, 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 just, just real quick, I, I do think that there has to be a contingency. We, can, we, we can't say, well, if we don't win both seats, then not, we'll be okay with nothing happening. There are executive orders that can take place. You can defund, you can take federal funds away from police departments. They do not put the uh, reforms in place necessary. So we, there are things that can still be done. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We're going to come back to Belfort's here in Savannah, Georgia. When we come back, uh, passing of two uh, significant figures, Joe Clark, New Jersey principal, subject of the movie Lean on Me, and Professor Ted Delaney uh, out of Virginia will tell you about their passing, and we'll talk with the owner of Belfort's when we come back as well. We're broadcasting live here in Savannah, Georgia, Roland Martin Unfiltered, covering the Georgia Senate runoff one day left for early voting six days before election day on January 5th. We'll be back in a moment. This is Dr. Jamal Harrison Bryant. Your vote matters. It's coming down to the finish and this will be every vote counts. And so I'm charging every person in Georgia, make sure you vote because it'll be your vote that'll send two senators to Washington, D.C. Uh, America is a complicated story of people building a more, perf more perfect union. And if you don't think there's been any change, you should sit down with Andrew Young. Uh, you should sit down from some of the folks in that generation who know the distance we've come. And um, uh, as we continue to push hard, change comes. The other side knows your power. The other side knows your voice. That's why they're engaged in voter suppression. If you weren't so powerful, they wouldn't be trying so hard to stop you from voting. And so you ought to stand up in this defining moment in American history and win the future for all of our children. Daring to demand the right to vote for black Americans in Selma, Alabama, 55 years ago, John Lewis was nearly killed as he and hundreds marched across this bridge. That movement's courage secured the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, but the promise of equal justice in America remains unfulfilled. So together, we'll fight for a new Civil Rights Act and a new Voting Rights Act to ensure equal justice for all, no matter the color of our skin, to end racial profiling and police brutality, and to stop anyone from suppressing the sacred right to vote. Congressman Lewis gave me my first job. He instilled in me the conviction to fight for justice. He said to never give in, Never give up. Keep the faith and keep our eyes on the prize. I'm John Ossoff. I approve this message.
Too many people struggled, suffered, and died to make it possible for every American to exercise their right to vote. We got power. We're about to get ready to launch our We Got Power Tour. Cliff and I are going on the blackest bus in America. We're hitting the streets again. We're gonna be going through at least 12 states, maybe more. I'm just really excited. Now it's a little bit different this time because COVID-19, we've gotta wear a mask, we've gotta be socially distant, but we are very committed that we've got to get in the streets and inspire and encourage our people in ways that are socially distant. Ready to hit the road, ready to see our folks, ready to be socially distant, ready to mask up. On our way to Pennsylvania, we'll be there for two days, and then we're headed to Ohio to Cleveland. We're gonna be just spreading a lot of love and building a lot of power. We're going to be out here on the ground in these streets because our people need us. Can't stop, won't stop. Register to vote. You can even request your online vote by mail ballot by clicking the link or by scanning our QR code with your camera. Vote early. Vote today because we got power. We learned early in Sunday school that thou shall not steal, thou shall not bear false witness, thou shall not have no other gods before me. Raphael Warnock's opponent seems to have forgotten these basic Sunday school lessons. Her gods have greed, her lies about Pastor Warnock, and her shady Wall Street practices are evidence of this. And on January the 5th, Let's bear witness that greed, lies, and shady dealings don't represent Georgia. Let's send Raphael Warnock to the U.S. Senate to fight for the least of these and not Wall Street billionaires. Yo, what up, y'all? This is Jay Ellis, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Joe Lewis Clark, the Patterson principal, Patterson, New Jersey principal, Eastside High School. Of course, uh, immortalized in the movie Lean on Me, portrayed by Morgan Freeman in 1989, passed away yesterday in Gainesville, Florida surrounded by his family after a very long illness. Joe Clark, of course, was the bat-wielding principal uh, who put chains on doors. Really a tough approach, emphasizing uh, student education, emphasizing uh, the achievement. A lot of people uh, said they didn't like his disciplinary methods. He said he didn't care. He said it was about tough love. And so after he retired from Eastside in 1989, uh, he worked uh, for six years as director of Essex County Detention House, a juvenile detention uh, center in Newark. He was a longtime resident of South Orange, New Jersey, before retiring to Gainesville, Florida. A lot of folks uh, will always uh, remember uh, Joe Lewis Clark, uh, Robert, for uh, that bat, for his tough talk. Uh, they might remember Morgan Freeman play, more playing him, but... Uh, Again, Joe Clark was one of those brothers who, uh, look, we all remember, we had, we all, we always, 
we all had Joe Clarks growing up uh, in schools. And so uh, that sort of persona, that, that character, that attitude, that wasn't a shock to us. Maybe not the baseball bat, uh, but how he rolled. Yeah, I recall several of those Joe Clarks when I was growing up, Robert. Absolutely. We had uh, Mr. Watts and, uh, and Mr. Barnwell at uh, Kendrick High School down in Columbus, Georgia. And I think it's important to understand, if we look at the chain, we look at the bat, the things that got the attention, what was really important is that dedication to students, that belief in not letting people go. Uh, understanding that, you're, uh, that we have a broken social structure and social system and economic system in this country, and it takes people real passion and love uh, for the students in order to go above and beyond, because th teachers are not compensated the way they need to be in this country. Uh, schools are not funded the way that they need to be in this country. We just passed a $780 billion defense bill uh, with a filibuster-proof majority and nobody, uh, or with a veto-proof majority, and, uh, and there's a vote to overturn it coming up, but we can never have that kind of vote for education. So it's important that uh, that we put our teachers and our administrators or, or the people who are in charge of educating our children in the best position possible so that they will, they will not need baseball bats and chains, but they will be able to walk into a fully funded classroom and be able to fight for an uh, educational future for our children. It's always amazing to me, Reese, how folks uh, don't like, uh, you know, oh, Joe Clark and the bat and the megaphone, but you know what? If he, was a, if he was a football or basketball coach, we're fine. If he was in the military, we're fine. In other areas, to Robert's point, he was a guy who cared about education. Absolutely. And you know what? It's not always um, fun to do the popular thing, but the popular thing isn't always the most effective thing. And at the end of, at the, end of the day, Joe Lewis Clark got the results, and that's what matters. So, I mean, you have to applaud his integrity and his conviction and his dedication to changing lives. He could have been popular and well-liked, and the students would not have gotten what they needed. So he delivered the medicine the way the medicine needed to be delivered, and whoever could be mad about it is going to have to just be mad about it. But I think his legacy speaks for itself. Speaking of uh, education, Professor Ted Delaney, uh, who spent 60 years at Washington and Lee University, uh, passed away on December 18th at the age of 77 due to pancreatic cancer. He was... Uh, a, a, a significant force when it comes to taking that university in deep Virginia with all of its ties. Washington Lee, the Lee, Robert E. Lee. In fact, he is buried uh, in a tomb on that campus. So is his horse. Uh, I, and I remember speaking on that campus in their chapel uh, with his body uh, right behind the podium there. Uh, I was not happy at all with that damn Confederate flag flying. Uh, but the thing here is that he also uh, was trying to move the university to change. Uh, part of a committee to get them to drop the Lee in the Washington, in the Washington and Lee name. Uh, someone, of course, who also uh, added a number of courses dealing with African history, African-American history, uh, to that department, created the African Studies program there as well. Uh, Greg Carr, please share your thoughts about Ted Delaney. Well, thank you, brother. As we heard earlier, this is the fifth night of Kwanzaa, Nia purpose. And it's interesting you talk about educators who had purpose, whether it be Joe Lewis Clark, who was born about two hours west of where you are right now in central Georgia, uh, his wife, uh, Dr. Gloria Irene Williams Norman Clark, uh, who was born in North Carolina. In fact, they met at Eastside High. And by the way, y'all, uh, Joe Clark was never arrested and the students didn't have to go down there and try to free him. That never happened. But although they did put, get him in trouble for putting them chains on the doors. But in the case of Ted Delaney, sadly, a man whose mother would not let him go to Morehouse, where he had been accepted to go to school, 
and instead kept him at home because she was afraid of what was going on down there in the civil rights movement. Ted Delaney stayed at home. He was born near the campus of, uh, of Washington and Lee, and he was on that faculty. He started there cleaning up as a janitor, didn't have the money to go to school, got his bachelor's degree at 41 years old, and sadly, sadly, the founder of the African American Studies program at Washington and Lee, the chairman of the history department for several years, we probably wouldn't be talking about him if not for Charlottesville 2017. This is a man who lived his life in a quiet dignity, who fought very quietly in the classroom, who didn't do rah-rah stuff, who never came out of the house without full suit tie and, and jacket. And when white people say, why are you dressed like that? He'd tell his colleagues, I don't have the white privilege to dress like you do. A man who saw it, picked his battles, but then advanced. And Roland, it's interesting finally you say this, because in the last year, that brother been promoted to full professor on that campus. He got an honorary doctorate on that campus. He got all these awards because since Charlottesville, and then with the death of Breonna Taylor and Big George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey, they've been trying to kind of put him out there. He was put on that committee, and if they do not follow the recommendations, and those recommendations are now before the president and the board, and the board has pushed back, by the way. You got some of them who love Robert E. Lee. If they don't follow those uh, recommendations, which include retiring that damn marble the recumbent Lee that you had to speak of in front in the, in Lee Chapel, getting rid of that, turning that Lee Chapel into a cultural center because every freshman has to go in there and sign the honor code in Lee Chapel. They will have disrespected the legacy of a quiet warrior, Ted Delaney, who spent his whole life in that little neighborhood, in that little town, and who fought for the things that we need to be fighting for, even as these white supremacists still fight to uphold the Confederate States of America in the heart of that damn white supremacist institution. Well, certainly prayers go out to the families of Joe Clark and Ted Delaney. All right, folks, uh, we are here at Belfort's uh, in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, this is a black-owned restaurant here in downtown Savannah. Kevin McPherson is the founder. He joins us right now. Uh, Kevin, how are you doing? First of all, uh, the name, where does the name come from, Belfort's? The name, Belfort's, where does it come from? Belfort's is a family. Actually, they had it in the early 1900s, and they ran this as an old warehouse where they sold uh, tobacco products, uh, coffee products as well. And there's actual picture of the Belfast family that was there. Gotcha. Black family. Unfortunately, no, sir. It's set okay. up with a black family. Okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> checking. Uh, you see photos, and I'm looking for them, okay? Uh, first of all, how long have you been on the restaurant? Uh, we've been here now a little over 25 years. Okay, 25 years? Yes, sir. Um, how, have you, how have you been impacted? First of all, you came out a little bit earlier. You said that, uh, hey, you reached capacity because of COVID. Uh, and so how have you been impacted uh, since COVID uh, hit in February? Uh, it definitely impacted us uh, because, you know, we have a large dining room both in, you know, inside as well. So it's impacted us there. But we've been very thankful that we have an outdoor patio. It has actually been a good saver for us. Uh, the city's allowed other people who don't have patios to add additionals. And we have one already there. So it's worked out for us on that. Uh, and we're, we're surviving. We are adjusting to what's going on uh, and looking forward to hopefully 2021 being a little different for us. Uh, you, obviously, uh, they have this, this Kwanzaa crawl, first time they've done this, yes, uh, because they wanted to, uh, talking to the Alderman at large earlier, they wanted uh, to help uh, support black restaurants. That is very true, and I'm very happy that they chose us here, uh, selected us as one of the places to, to uh, put a case site on. Um, we don't have a lot of black owners in the downtown area, unfortunately, but it is growing, uh, and there is opportunity for others to come in. So one, of, so one of the things that uh, we also love to hear about, uh, folks, when I was talking to the state senator earlier, 
you talked about how so much of Savannah depends upon tourism as well. Uh, and so how have you prepared uh, your restaurant for 2021 if we continue on the same path we have been in 2020 due to COVID? Well, it's definitely tough uh, because we don't know what really to look forward with the COVID still going on. Excuse me, with the COVID still going on, it's, it's tough uh, for us to make those decisions. But we're, we're looking at our history, what we've done. We're trying to cut that number in half to say that we probably won't be doing the same sales. We've adjusted our labor as well, our hours of operation. Uh, and we've, we've kind of we caught on to things. So we uh, feel right now that we're doing well, definitely to the tourism business. Uh, I would not be surviving if I did not have the tourism business right now. Most popular uh, dish here? Uh, by far, my crab cakes. Really? Been on the menu since we started. It is definitely nothing but 100% crab meat in there. Uh, and it's what's cut my doors open. And then we also have some wonderful aged steaks as well. Wonderful what? Aged steaks. Okay. All of our steaks here are aged. Uh, and we do a lot of our desserts all in-house. Ice creams and everything like that we do so in-house. So what's the most requested dessert? Definitely the bread pudding. White chocolate bread pudding with a whiskey sauce. Hits you right where like mama used to do. <laughs> well, uh, I, I am on, uh, I, of course, I'm on a, on a food diet. They've been trying to get me to eat all kind of stuff. So I, I might have to try some of that bread pudding. Uh, of course, uh, my brother makes it, my dad makes it. Uh, and so, uh, of course, my grandmother was from Louisiana. Uh, so they shoot with a catering service. So I'm quite used to that. Uh, so we'll, we'll try some of that before we get out of here. Uh, Kevin McPherson, we certainly appreciate it, man. Thanks a bunch uh, for allowing us to broadcast the show from here. Thank you, Mr. Martin. We appreciate having you here in Savannah and putting a spotlight on what we're doing here. So we thank you for coming, and we wish you all a happy new year. I appreciate it. Thanks thank a bunch. Thanks, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, uh, panel, this is our last show for uh, 2020. We are, not, uh, we are not live tomorrow. We're off tomorrow. We're off uh, on Friday the 1st. Uh, let me just, this has been an unbelievable, wild, crazy uh, 2020. Uh, we've uh, lost significant figures. Kobe Bryant, uh, Reverend, um, first of all, Congressman John Lewis, Reverend C.T. Vivian, uh, of course, uh, Reverend Joseph Lowry. Uh, so many major figures chat with Bozeman and others. COVID has impacted us, of course, this election. Uh, so, Robert, just give me your perspective uh, on uh, 2020. I think 2020 is the, uh, the year that America lost its virginity, quite frankly. Uh, we've become an adult as a nation. All the uh, ideas and presuppositions that we had about who we were as a people, that's been uh, torn off. And now uh, we realize that there's still 75 million people in this country that voted for a man who allowed 350,000 people to die. Uh, we still live in a country where people will fight and march and protest for Confederate flags and for Confederate statues. One of the reasons they are holding up that defense authorization bill is over the issue of renaming Confederate bases. So now that we, we understand what the real playing field is, the, uh, the Obama era was almost a hangover where people thought, remember, remember the article saying we were in a post-racial society. We were all going to come together and hope and change and holding hands. No, now we understand that we are in the same combat that we've always been in. And just as uh, the 1960s were an awakening for America, 2020 was that racial uh, awakening, that uh, racial reckoning to, uh, that we are going through. And now 2021 and going forward is where we take the things we learned in 2020 and apply those to public policy to ensure that we're creating a more fair union and a a better nation for all of us going forward. Reese Colbert, 2020. Uh, well, let me start by saying this is my anniversary on Roland Martin Unfiltered, one year. So thank you, Roland, for inviting me to be a weekly panelist on your show. 
Um, but 2020 to me has been like three years in one. There have been some incredible highs. You know, for me, obviously, I can't go out with the year without shouting out my girl, VP elect Kamala Harris. That's a dream come true for me. It's historic. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of reckoning that has happened this year. And to be honest, and I'm sure Dr. Carr is going to say this, the verdict is still out because we've only bought ourselves a little bit of time. How much of that time, I think, still remains to be seen with what happens down in Georgia. It remains to be seen with uh, this vaccination process. We saw that Donald Trump, at this rate, thanks to his incompetence, we're looking at 10 years to get 80% of the American population vaccinated. And so we're really going to need the Biden-Harris administration to come in and completely turn things around. If they're able to completely turn it around or partially turn it around, I think there's still a lot of writing on that. And so I do have some optimism for 2021. None of us saw what happened this year in terms of all of the things that we were hit with coming. But um, I think there is a new day coming. I just don't know how bright it's going to be. But I'm going to celebrate the victories that we did have. And Happy New Year, everybody. First of all, we're certainly glad to have you on the show. That's one of the reasons why uh, I created this, to, uh, to create a platform to give uh, what I call non-traditional voices, an opportunity uh, to, uh, to represent. And so recently, we certainly appreciate it. Dr. Greg Carr closes out 2020. Brother, I want to thank you. I want to add my voice to Reese's and to Robertson, all the panelists who have been invited in this space. Thank you, brother. And it wouldn't be a space that weren't for everybody watching this. You know, uh, and Reese, I know you appreciate this. Uh, Vice President-elect Harris uh, did a video the other day talking about the fact she celebrated Kwanzaa's little girl. A lot of people try to give her smoke for that, but I did the math, and, and with a lot of people I know, and yes, her mother, Shyamala, was in the Bay Area when the Afro-American Association began celebrating Kwanzaa. So if you read Kamala Harris's memoir, she and her sister, oh yeah, I suspect they were at those Kwanzaa's in 1971, 72, 73. And so, you know, Roland, in a moment when we have this space, and we've had so many people make transition, Kwame Leo Lillard, who was an elder who marched with C.T. Vivian and John Lewis in Nashville, who gave me my African name at a Kwanzaa uh, almost 30 years ago, made transition, COVID-19. Mark Hill said he lost his sister today. And we know our sister Erica isn't here in part because her sister, uh, somebody in her family made transition. Maybe I, I would close by using the moment that you created in terms of Roland Martin Unfiltered for the principles of Kwanzaa. Day one is unity. That means black people got to pull together. That's the only reason that we have this space that you've done is because black people have pulled together. Who's your child to lead? Self-determination. This ain't CNN. This ain't MSNBC. This is for us, by us, and it's rolling black as hell because of that. Uh, Ujima, uh, collective working responsibility. Every $5, 10 $15 people put in is, is new equipment, is a drone, is a bus with the, with the ability to broadcast. It's all of that. And so finally we have uh, Ujima, which is cooperative economics. That's where everything else in this work, they day of Nia or purpose. We see nothing but purpose. Our purpose is to win elections. Our purpose is to organize on the ground. Our purpose is to build independent black political party. Our purpose is to be free and liberated. Kuumba, uh, creativity. How more creative can you get than an older woman singing and then introducing everybody else, then turning it back over to you and finally Iman? That is New Year's Day. That also coincides with what become watch night. You know, you're a church man, of course. Now, shout out, of course, to your wife, minister. On the on January 31st, on 1862, 
black folk got on their knees in churches all over the north and in places like Savannah, in places like Atlanta and Augusta, and they prayed in the new year because they got up off their knees on January 1st, 1863, and said, we are now going to make the Emancipation Proclamation stand up by putting it on the end of a gun and blowing away the Confederacy. That's important because there was a man in Georgia named Silas X. Floyd who was out of Augusta, Georgia, who said on January 1st, which was Emancipation Day, that was our big holiday, may God forget my people if we forget this day. On the day of Imani, New Year's Day, January 1st, let us never forget the only reason we can have this conversation is because black folks and others have come together and put the wind of the wings of Roland Martin unfiltered, which means 2021 is going to be just like Richard said, so much better than 2020. And we can't be defeated. It's like, it's like Robertson, as we link on and move forward collectively. So thank you, brother. Thank you for creating this space for us. I always take it My final Dr. thoughts, Carr. first of all, <laughs> my final thoughts here, folks. Um, we created this show. September, we launched it. September 2018. That was uh, 27 months ago. September 4th, 2018. Uh, because it was about filling a void. Uh, it was about the need to have uh, a daily show. The need to have our own platform that spoke to our issues where we're not asking someone else for permission. I posted something on Instagram and Facebook today to sort of explain where we are and how we've gone. The first year, we did 100 million views. People said, oh, that was a fluke. We're going to end 2020 with more than 260 million views across all three platforms. Uh, we, uh, of course, uh, quadrupled our revenue uh, in our second year as well. What you also have to understand is that here, our fan base has contributed greatly uh, to what we've been able to do. Our fan base came through to the tune of almost $600,000. Uh, I am excited to say that we did hit our 20,000 uh, member goal. We always end our show with our charter list. Uh, we have about 3,000 plus people who are monthly members of our fan club on YouTube. And we have uh, more than, uh, first of all, more than 3,000, almost 4,000, and 16,000 plus uh, direct who have contributed via Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, and Zelle. Why is that important? Because there are a lot of other people out here who aren't transparent. I said I was going to be transparent with you with what we're doing. Y'all have been with us every step of the way. When we started this show and we simply had uh, glass tables and chairs, we could not afford a set. Well, guess what? This year, uh, in, in, it was back it was in January, February, a black-owned set designer uh, built that set that we use in our studio that I haven't seen for all of December. Uh, we use black lighting director. Uh, we have 12 people who are employed. That's the other th one of the points that Greg made is important. We are employing African-Americans. I'm sitting here right now, uh, and as a freelancer here from Atlanta, uh, who uh, Maurice has been working with us and other freelancers. We have been employing people here in Georgia, helping us as well. Uh, Derek, the driver, I needed someone who can uh, drive us around because we were so swamped. Uh, last time Anthony and I came to Savannah, man, we drove up, man, we worked all day, we did the show. He, man, he was dead tired. I was sleepy as all get the last two hours. Uh, and then we were spent for the next day, and so we need to be fresh and revived. Uh, and so that's why we created this show. We're not interested in asking somebody for permission to cover black people. 
to sit here and hear from the alderwoman, to hear from uh, the state senator, uh, to hear from them talk about what's happening in Savannah. Last time we were here, we had the mayor on the show. So I want y'all to understand, y'all have made this possible. Uh, God gave me the vision. If you read the book of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah was pained by what he, when he heard that the wall of Jerusalem had crumbled. He was pained, and the king said, Nehemiah, what's wrong? And then he told him the king gave him permission to go out to go, go see his people. And Nehemiah then went out, and he, expect, he inspected the wall. He then came up with a plan, and he went to the people, and the people said, let us rebuild. The people, let us rebuild. And so our fan base, y'all have, I said, this is where we are with black media. This is what's going on. This is my fear. Those things have come true. Ebony Magazine in bankruptcy. In bankruptcy. Essence, they've laid off 160 of their 200 employees. You look at, there's no news show on TV One. Oprah has sold the remaining stake. She only owns 5%, I think, of OWN. Now, Discovery owns 95%. Bounce is not a black-owned network. Uh, it's owned by Scripps as well. All those things I've talked about have happened. COVID has greatly impacted black media. Folks have been laying people off. But I need y'all to understand something. While other media outlets, more than 40,000 journalists, uh, media folks, have lost their job in 2020, we have been hiring. I need y'all to listen to me clearly. We've been hiring. Are we the same size as other people? No. But the live streaming equipment that we have is the same equipment they use at NBC, they use at ABC, they use at those networks. When we go out, we're standing next to the same people, live streaming the same events. We're taking the next two days off, but we're going to be here Saturday. We're going to be here Saturday. What's going to happen on Saturday is that we're going to be on the road. In fact, I'm going to be with uh, Michael B. Uh, Jordan uh, here in uh, Savannah. I'm looking for the flyer right now. Uh, we're going to be there. We're going to be out on the road. We're going to be back here in Savannah uh, on Sunday when uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris is here. We'll be in Atlanta Monday when Joe Biden is here. We'll be here as well uh, on, um, on Tuesday as well. Why am I saying all of this? It is because we have reached a point, folks, where if we do not control our destiny, all we'll be doing is asking somebody else to tell our story, and I, as a black man, simply cannot allow that to happen. This is all about, this was all about being done in the tradition of Frederick Douglass of A.I. Scott. Uh, Henry, you can go ahead and take my iPad. Uh, this is the, uh, I'm going to be in Clayton County with Michael B. Jordan uh, on Saturday at a rally from noon to 4 p.m. at Gerald Matthews Park. You can see that flyer. But I want y'all to understand something too, what Nehemiah, there were haters who said they could not rebuild the wall. There were haters. I'm not going to name them. But there were haters when we started who would say, oh, look at that. Look how many views they have. Nobody's watching. He's failing. Somebody sent me a tweet today said, ooh, the new black media says Roland Martin is looking for a job. How in the hell can I be looking for a job when I employ myself? <laughs> how can I be looking for a job? How can I be looking for a job when I'm actually looking to hire other people?
we are creating something here that is in the line of what John H. Johnson did, A.I. Scott, Robert Abbott, uh, and so many of the African-American, Claude Burnett and others, and that is, as Greg said, for us, by us. You watching, you sharing, makes all of this possible. Y'all have been seeing me tweet about the, what I call the Roro Mobile. Um, COVID has been, had an impact with the gear, travel, we said, you know what, we're going to be on the road a whole lot, so we need to have our own mobile vehicle. Y'all seen some of the streaming we've done. I posted a couple of the photos. Uh, here's one of the videos here. Uh, we acquired this. Let me be real clear with y'all. And to all of my haters out there, I need y'all to understand, we're not leasing this vehicle. It was bought in cash. It was paid for in cash. Brand new, 24 miles on it. Why am I transparent when I say these things to you? Because other black people have created ventures and they've wasted your money. You are seeing what we are doing. We have the ability with this vehicle to broadcast from the road anywhere, anytime. It can seat 10 people. We can take it around the country. Y'all, I'm not playing around with this. I'm not interested in running out and getting a job with mainstream media. In fact, there was somebody black in media, I'm not gonna give you their name, but they told a frat brother of mine, you know, I was thinking about hiring Roland, giving him a job. My frat brother said, Roland ain't looking for a job. So to all my haters out there who thought we were going to fail, God had another plan. And just like with the folks with the Nehemiah, they did rebuild the wall. And the haters stood there and had nothing to say. If y'all think we've done this in 2020, y'all ain't seen nothing yet. Y'all don't understand that I just signed the deal to create our own OTT network. We're going to be on Apple TV, Roku, Twitch. We're going to be on Amazon Fire. I signed the deal this morning. <laughs> I need y'all to understand that I've already identified six to ten other people who will be doing shows on a digital network that we're going to launch in 2021. I already have the name of the network. I've already trademarked the name. It's going to happen, and it will be announced in the first quarter of 2021. So don't think for a second it's all about me. While I was, One of the reasons I was late with today's show is because a major venture capitalist was sending me a text inquiring about our business plan. These things are happening. And my last point, we're not funded by a billionaire. We're not funded by any millionaires. We don't have uh, a, a great benefactor who's given us money, uh, who is sitting here, you know, funding everything. We don't have that. I put $350,000 of my own money, money that I could have taken and my wife, but my wife understood this here. Because just so y'all understand, 
my 40th birthday party, my wife said she was asked what is in store in the future for Roland Martin, and this is what she said. I'm going to play the video one day. He will own his own network. That was 12 years ago. So I need y'all to understand. See, some of y'all ain't hearing me. That was 12 years ago. Do the math. That was 2008, my second year at CNN. So my wife said prophetically in 2008, he will have his own network one day. I was year two at CNN. I was year three at TV One. I was first year at Tom Joyner. So I want y'all to understand this ain't new. This was not created because I lost something over there. This was always ordained. And so we're going to rest for two days. We'll be back in action here in Georgia on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We'll be back in uh, D.C. Uh, come uh, January uh, 10th. But I'm telling y'all right now, we ain't playing that Roller Martin Unfiltered. We're serious, we're real. And we're about to go next level. And last point, to all the other black media people who I went to to partner multiple times, y'all had a shot. So when y'all see us blow up, don't be shocked. Because I tried to do collective with y'all, but y'all didn't want to do it. But the vision don't stop because somebody don't want a partner. Folks, y'all have an absolutely safe New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. My prayers are with all of you. Those of you who watch night service, we will see you in 2021. And as always, we always end the show in Friday with our followers. All of you, y'all made this possible and we're celebrating you. And if you don't see your name on the list, send me an email. We'll get it done. This is our Bring the Funk fan club. Robert, Greg, Reese, I appreciate it. To all of our panelists, uh, thanks for making 2020 great. Uh, to our staff to our staff as well, here with me uh, in Georgia, I've got Anthony, I've got Maurice, uh, who's a freelancer uh, there uh, in, um, in the studio. Henry is directing. We've got, okay, who's on audio? Steve or Tim? Tim's on audio. Uh, then we got Ashley. Then we got Steve. We got Steve Ames. We got Ashley. We got Chris. We got Chelsea. We got Jackie Button booking Atlantis. We've got Toy. We've got Tanya. We've got my man Keenan. Uh, those are all the folks. We got uh, also other audio. Steve Murphy. And who am I leaving out? Uh, is it who am I leaving out, Henry? I'm leaving out one. I'm leaving out somebody. Tim. I'm sorry. Uh, and so. We got so those are the folks, uh, folks. They're the folks who are behind the scenes who make it possible for y'all to see the show. What let y'all see? Uh, thank you so very much, y'all. If y'all want to support what we do, you can join right there uh, on YouTube. I see some of y'all who are already joining. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, Fair Roberson, I appreciate that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Daniel Wass, y'all can give right there. Uh, to us on uh, YouTube. Support us at Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. 
Venmo.com forward slash uh, RM Unfiltered. PayPal.me forward slash Martin Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at RollingSmartin.com. Uh, of course, you can support us via uh, money orders sent to New Vision Media, NU Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Uh, join our Bring the Funk fan club. We're asking average 50 bucks from each person, uh, $4.19 for, for the year. $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. If you, if you have less, that's fine. If you want to give more, that's fine as well. Uh, and so we certainly appreciate it. This all started when a 92-year-old black woman in Long Island, New York, sent me a $500 check. And she said, because your voice matters. And that's why we do what we do. And I told y'all, every dollar y'all give is going to go support this show. We made that real. Folks, y'all have an absolutely fabulous uh, 2020. I'll see y'all in 2021. Right here from Belfort in Savannah, Georgia. Y'all take care. Holla! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.